0: the telegraph changed communication around the world forever instant communication from anywhere with a wired connection allowed empires to consolidate their territorial control further and no nation on earth benefited as much from the telegraph as the United States of America though leaps and bounds in communication continued it stagnated in the U.S. under the Western Union telegraph company's communication empire however a new star rose that didn't stop for any monopoly, the telephone. This is the story of the rise of the telephone. I'm your host, Ryan Sokash, and you're watching It's History. Today's video is brought to you by Keeps, an online subscription service that helps men keep their hair, which is an initiative that resonates with me strongly. You see, as a 40-year-old man from a family where balding is prevalent on both sides, I could not be any happier to have discovered the solution. Keeps' doctor recommended hair loss treatment helps combat hair loss symptoms with affordable plans that are typically only half the cost of pharmacy prices. And perhaps my favorite thing about Keeps is their discretion. You see, the product is delivered straight to your door, meaning that you don't have to run the risk of a charming pharmacist or cashier taking note of what is really such a sensitive issue. And i imagine the only thing they might notice is your very full head of hair with keeps all treatment plans are personalized and doctor recommended you can expect 24 7 expert support and most customers notice results within six months of starting treatment so for those of you in the 40 plus club like me you need to sign up today seriously two out of three guys will experience hair loss by the time they're 35 so don't roll the dice on this one keep your youth by choosing a routine that works for you. Whether you're looking to prevent hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or just take better care of the hair that you have, Keeps has you covered. Everything your hair needs can be delivered straight to your door by clicking the link in the description below. Remember, hair loss stops with Keeps. To get 50% off of your first order, go to keeps.com slash itshistory or just click the link in the description below. That's K-E-E-P-S slash its history. And now back to the history of the telephone. With the creation of the battery and the discovery of electromagnetism, a wide variety of electric equipment was now possible and hence immediately growth soared in communications all across the world chief among these achievements was Samuel Morris's design of the electronic telegraph a single circuit connected with an operator key when the circuit completes a tone plays that operators translate into a message based on a series of long and short presses the advent of instant communication allowed news and diplomatic messages to travel faster than ever before finally a message could travel from one coast of the u.s to the other within a single day rather than a month though while speed was the main draw of the telegraph the focus on it eventually became the significant weakness of it as the american telegraph industry pushed forward quality rapidly fell to the wayside as message speed became the focus of competition accuracy dwindled many messages disappeared off the map and several telegraph clients began to look for a better method of communication telegraph translation errors weren't exclusive to the americas either a telegraph in 1870 from spain to prussia prevented a prince from taking the spanish throne since the date of his arrival in spain appeared to be too late for the council's liking even though the intended date was several weeks earlier the consequence of this mistranslation was immense as a Prussian Allied Spain easily could have wholly derailed our known course of the late 19th and early 20th century for example it could have accelerated the French defeat in the Franco-Prussian War sped up German unification and may have even altered the course of World War One since a Spanish-Prussian alliance would have left France surrounded a fate entirely avoided by a translation of dots and dashes of morris code this was too much if even governing bodies couldn't translate crucially important messages accurately an alternative was non-negotiable thankfully by the 1870s a solution had just acquired its paperwork in the US 1876 saw Alexander Graham Bell secure a patent for the new instant communication device that would eventually tear down the telegraphs monopoly the telephone though securing the patent was much easier said than done the telephone initially had two creators Alicia Gray and previously mentioned Alexander Graham Bell both had their designs for an electric voice transmitter device developed around the same time and attempted to secure a patent for their invention within hours of one another the two men fell into a lengthy legal dispute eventually resulting in Bell emerging Victorious since he technically secured the patent first. Bell had spent his whole life immersed in sound. His family had a long history of working with the deaf and he followed suit initially, teaching many deaf children to speak. Among those children was Helen Keller, a girl who was not only deaf but also blind and unable to speak. As he continued the family practice, he fervently studied sound, including creating the world's first wireless communication device. A photophone. Among his other creations were an improved design of Thomas Edison's phonograph, a field metal detector to identify the location of the bullets that killed President James Garfield, and even a flying machine created six years after the Wright brothers' first plane test. A common theme in Bell's inventions is the attempt to improve upon designs that already existed. The telephone followed this trend to a T, being an attempt to improve upon Morris's Telegraph. At the time of Bell's first experiments, the telegraph had frequently been used for over 30 years, and Bell was very aware of the flaws of the telegraph. However, the telephone wasn't Bell's first design for communication. In his designs, Bell's main target was the telegraph's inability to send multiple messages on the same wire at once. He wasn't the first to have an idea for a multi message telegraph, but he was the first to pull it off successfully the harmographic telegraph could run multiple messages on the same communication line by setting the telegraph signals to a different pitch. His work on the harmonic telegraph caused Bell to have his greatest epiphany as he experimented with shifting the telegraph messages to different tones. He learned by complete accident that one could send sound through a wire. As he attempted to loosen a reed wrapped around a wire, he accidentally pulled it out. The vibration from its removal traveled from the wire in one room to the connection in the next. He took down notes on the discovery and a year later, he called his assistant through a mouthpiece on the wire. The first phone call went as follows. Mr. Watson, come here. I wish to speak with you." And with that, Bell had created the first telephone. After the patent battle mentioned earlier, the telephone rapidly began spreading. Construction of the first telephone line had been completed within a year, connecting Boston to Somerville, Massachusetts. By 1880, the United States telephone network had over 49,000 telephones. The telephone network worked differently than that of the telegraph. A caller began the process by removing the phone from the receiver. Receiver. this action known as taking the phone off the hook would alert the local telephone office of the caller's request for service The line attendant in the center office tasked with monitoring the local network and manually connecting the calls responded to the query by submitting a dial tone, signaling the caller to enter the desired telephone number. The number was then stored and connected to the recipient, which would then trigger a ring in the event that the line is open. Now if the line was outside of the center office, the connection would go to an office that controls the recipient's number. As the telephone industry grew, it quickly came into conflict with an entity we have discussed previously on its history, the Western Union Telegraph Company. At its creation, the Bell Telephone Company found itself in conflict with one of the largest monopolies the United States has ever known. Initially, they competed with Western Union developing several telephone lines to match the Bell Company. However, by 1879, Western Union struck a deal with Bell, in which they sold Bell all of their telephone lines with the agreement that Bell would exit the telegraph business. Now, the Bell system could have fully reaped the awards of an unregulated monopoly in late 19th century America. Patent rights kept any other competitor from arising and allowed Bell to open. And operating companies to control cities and metropolitan areas these companies held lines that only connected with the Bell system making it virtually impossible for any competition to get a foothold Bell also acquired Western Electric Supply which was Western Union's manufacturing branch in 1881 with this even after the patent expired production was firmly in the hands of the Bell system When Western Electric got a permit production license for Bell Telephones, they fully secured that domain. By 1885, the connections of long-distance calls were becoming increasingly more unfeasible for a single company to handle while also governing other aspects of the communication empire. The office-to-office calls were becoming so numerous that action was required that year american bell created at t to manage those calls and extend their range bell's time in the undivided spotlight had always been a temporary one when the basic patent expired in 1894 many competitors rushed into the telephone market by 1902 there were 3009 telephone companies in the united states with no relation to bell and by 1907 those companies collectively held 49 percent of the nation's telephones the bell company wouldn't take this lying down though it started suing many of the companies for patent infringement And by use of the loose definition of patent law, won over 600 of these cases. The competition wasn't only fought with legal strongmanning as they dropped prices and connected more offices with long distance lines to appeal to more of their customers. AT&T had been growing as a monopoly began to fade. In 1899, it gained all the American Bell Telephone Company assets, effectively supplementing it. At that point, the Bell system had four significant divisions, Long Lines, which connected local exchanges and provided long-distance services, Western Electric, which manufactured equipment, Bell Labs, which handled research and development, and Bell's various other operating companies, which dealt with local exchanges. AT&T now owned all of the American Bell Telephone Company and started acting as it once did. As with the old company, AT&T's primary goal in the early 20th century was to broaden its market power. Just as Bell once did it increased interconnectivity long distance network and discounted rates for services and equipment in areas of interest since the independent companies never found an in for long distance networks thanks to att's patents they started to drop off gradually by 1907 AT&T would speed up this process by buying out companies and connecting with particular independent exchanges and their slogan of the time perfectly epitomizes this goal one policy one system and universal service AT&T claimed their competitors wasted resources and drove up subscription rates with their competition the independents claimed that competition reduced prices and increased subscriber counts for all network serving the people better than an alternative monopoly of course this lack of regulation couldn't go on forever their attempt to form a Western Union style national telephone network eventually brought antitrust litigation and several other lawsuits about rates. By 1910, the Mann-Elkins Act gave the Interstate Commerce Commission, or ICC, complete control of interstate phone rates, causing AT&T to scale back its plans for national unity, as continuing forward with it may have nationalized the company. In the 1913 Kingsbury Commitment, AT&T sold off its holdings in Western Union, agreed to stop buying out their competitors, and opened up their long distance lines more than 50 miles long to independent exchanges in exchange for this commitment the U.S. Justice Department promised to lay off its antitrust enforcement on the company with this agreement competition between it and the independents died down making at and a regulated monopoly The First World War placed AT&T in a rather unexpected spot. The company found itself at the head of the post office by order of the United States Congress. In doing so, the government got a chance to explore what advantages and drawbacks would come from owning AT&T as a national institution. This experiment ended after concerns over rate increases began to appear, which was met with rather swift congressional legislation the Willis Graham Act gave the ICC jurisdiction over mergers of telephone and telegraph companies however telephone companies gained certain exceptions if their service would be for the general public's benefit and as AT&T's hold on the market was stifling many independents supported this as their financial difficulties increased some wanted to be bought out of this monopoly to secure their businesses and increase their range thereby benefiting the public however AT&T agreed not to purchase more independence without public support in the hall memorandum of 1922 followed by many independents. With the first time of competition over, the industry stabilized during the Roaring Twenties, surviving the Great Depression virtually unchanged. The agencies around the telephone industry swapped around in the 1930s as the Communications Act of 1934 shifted regulation of interstate telephone services to the Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC. That may be a familiar name to many, as the the fcc is still in charge of these communications its realm of oversight now includes telephone and cable radio television and even the internet title ii of the communications act designated telephone companies as common carriers accountable to the public with a duty to serve them at reasonable rates By the 30s, AT&T controlled around 80% of the telephone market and had the nation's only long distance network of note. The other 20% occupied countless local telephone companies that depended on AT&T for long distance communication. Due to all of the agreements between the federal government, the FCC practically held up AT&T's monopoly in exchange for AT&T's unquestioning nationwide service. The government moderated pricing levels so that no telephone company not even AT&T could overcharge for their services however there was one big issue there wasn't any criteria defining what exactly constituted a reasonable price as a result the FCC took on the task of continued surveillance which were constant negotiations between the Commission and the various telephone companies to determine reasonable rates As it did with most things, World War II forever changed the telephone industry. In less than a decade, the country achieved countless technological leaps at previously unheard of rates. Many of these changes were advanced enough to consider AT&T's position as a monopoly in question. Microwave technology suddenly allowed long-distance communications to take a very new form, challenging AT&T's stronghold on the market. Technical equipment such as fax machines, printers, and the earliest computers were also outside of AT&T's realm of operation causing new concerns for the company with the changes world war ii brought the FCC stuck with its own it placed new regulations allowing more competition in the telecommunications market since it was no longer exclusive to the telephone at this point AT&T often didn't meet the needs of a more specialized demand and competitors initially found their niche share of the market here however the 1940s and 1950s saw several court verdicts against AT&T's monopoly, allowing more external devices to be attached to the telephone network. As the radio came into the public's hands, AT&T strained against it as well. When the company tried to prohibit a two-party long-distance two-way radio connection device using landlines, the FCC dismissed the tariff as unreasonable and discriminatory. If the attachment didn't hurt the telephone system, the FCC judged it had the right to exist. There was no reason to block it from public use just because it wasn't from AT&T. These decisions benefited many ventures, and not just private ones. The American Petroleum Institute and the National Retail Merchants Association supported free entry into the terminal equipment market, and the US Justice Department backed them. Any AT&T tariff preventing foreign attachments was considered a violation of antitrust laws, and there would be no exception on this matter. AT&T fired back by requiring all third-party extensions to be connected to official protective coupling to protect the system's integrity. Well, that cut their competitors' profits. The market was still lucrative enough to draw in more companies. In 1969, the FCC authorized Microwave Communications Incorporated, or MCI, as a common carrier, allowing them access to microwave technology for general use. Several other companies followed suit, much to the dismay of AT&T. Opposition argued that this new technology would offer uncommon services for reasonable rates below that of AT&T's making it a service to the public 1971 saw the FCC rule in favor of the new competition in the market entirely blocking AT&T's intervention these services would extend in 1974 when MCI once again approached the FCC with a request they would offer exclusive network service, eventually culminating in their full entity in long distance service. However, the FCC rejected it because they only had authorization for private lines or specialized communication services not this general use. This decision wouldn't stand for long as the US Court of Appeals reversed it in 1977, citing that any authorized service could provide whatever was needed unless rejected by the FCC for legitimate reasons, not just to play to AT&T's monopoly. 1980 saw the FCC's Computer 2 order distinguishing the difference between basic services and advanced services. The latter was under the jurisdiction of the previously mentioned title ii of the communications act of 1934 while the latter was not however at&t's monopoly had long overstayed its welcome for years the united states department of justice formulated an antitrust lawsuit against at&t hitting the company hard due to its status as a regulated monopoly AT&T claimed it could not be subject to antitrust regulation as the fcc a government commission monitored it the department of justice disagreed ruling that they frequently violated antitrust laws for years stepping on any competitor who wished to improve the market if it somewhat threatened their monopoly thereby holding back the development of the telephone this suit saw the breakup of the long-standing Bell system forever changing the telephone industry and telecommunications as a whole AT&T split off 22 local operating companies cutting away two-thirds of their assets these 22 were grouped into several regional Bell operating companies subject to traditional oversight and forbidden from competing in the long-distance communications race equipment manufacturing or data processing The following divestiture agreement enforced the idea of competition onto the whole industry. While prices would remain generally standardized, the days of monopoly were over, for the time being at least. As time went on, the regional Bell operating companies requested to enter other lines of business and technology, branching away from just the telephone. With the monopoly prices pursuing new ventures, even more competitors could now enter the field. Now, even individual customers could potentially set up their own information networks. Now that the traditional telephone began to go the way of the telegraph, fading away into obsolescence and supplemented by a new evolution of the telephone the 1990s rapidly changed telecommunications the personal computer suddenly opened up a brand new and unforeseen route of communication challenging the boundaries of communication services and even the local monopolies 1994 saw increased demand in wireless services and the FCC began to allocate wireless spectrum licenses across the United States in what became known as spectrum auctions while experimentation with wireless system went as far back as the 1970s, the 1994 auction that continued to modern times finally gave widespread access to wireless activity. As the 1990s drew to a close and the turn of the millennium came about the regional bell operating companies looked to combine once more now actions that appeared to appeal to trust allowed some of the largest to consolidate with the nearby competitors by 2006 four of the seven bell operating companies were back with AT&T, either by merge or acquisition. Two others merged with Bell Atlantic, which rebranded to Verizon Wireless. Today, these pieces of at t have come back together in different sections and consolidation still occurs. The history of the telephone industry is still ongoing while the technology itself never underwent a significant evolution until the advent of wireless connectivity. The industry has taken on a new life in this age of interconnectivity and shows no signs of slowing down. So the only thing left to ponder is what will come next thank you guys for watching it's history hit that subscribe button smash the bell check out our video about the telegraph this is ryan Sokash signing off